Hey everyone, it's Mike Huber, founder and CEO of the Freshman Foundation and certified mental performance consultant. The Freshman Foundation helps young athletes be ready for every next step in the game of life through mental performance coaching. Before we get started with this episode, I'm so excited that the Freshman Foundation digital course is live after months of dedicated design and development and years of rattling around in my head. I'm very proud to have accomplished this goal. In episode 12 of the Freshman Foundation podcast, Vanessa Shannon, the Cincinnati Reds Director of Mental Performance, talks about her experiences serving student-athletes while at the University of Louisville. She suggested that incoming student-athletes often struggle with going from being a big fish in a small pond to being an average-sized fish in a big pond. This course is designed to provide you with the tools to avoid being an average fish when you get to college and being a big fish from day one. My research has led me to teach five key skills in this course, growth mindset, resourcefulness, confidence, resilience, and building a support network. The course is highly interactive. You'll be asked to challenge yourself to reflect, build self-awareness, and practice these core skills both inside and outside of the course. At the end of the course, I expect that you will be ready to attack the jump to collegiate athletics. So, are you in? Visit michaelvhuber.com backslash course to learn more and enroll now. Thank you for listening to the Freshman Foundation Podcast. Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast. Helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond. With your host, Michael Huber. Hey everyone, it's Mike Huber, founder and CEO of the Freshman Foundation. Welcome to the Freshman Foundation podcast, where we help young athletes be ready for every next step in the game of life through mental performance coaching. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, uh, you know that most of my episode, episodes are interview style. So uh, I usually have a guest on that I talk to, to help them sort of help us uncover some of the issues that are associated or the challenges that are associated with uh, the various transitions in a young athlete's life, whether it's from high school to college and college to pro or, or transitioning out of sport. But I always try to bring on someone who's an expert in the field to, to sort of shed some light on some of the issues that we have. But uh, today I'm going to do something a little different. I'm probably going to do my third or fourth solo podcast, um, kind of playing around with something new. And I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to, uh, to talk to you today. Um, today I'm going to do it in uh, the podcast in any uh, uh, an ask me anything format or a question and answer style format. Uh, really just trying to uncover some of the common questions I get from uh, young athletes and their families, from their parents, coaches about what it is that I do. So um, I'm just going to sort of take it from there and, and get started. So I'm looking forward to sharing with you. So the first question I typically just get is simply, you know, what is mental performance coaching? And uh, I guess the simplest way that I could put that is um, I help young athletes learn how to use their minds for them rather than against them. And so what I mean by that is, is that, you know, a lot of times when we get to high school, even, um, you know, young athletes are what I would consider to be expert, right? They start playing their sport a lot of times when they're five or six years old, they've been playing for 10 plus years. They've got thousands and thousands of repetitions and games and, uh, experience and hours and hours of experience under their belt. So they're really expert by the time they get to high school. So their body knows 
automatically what to do, right? And so, you know, and, and a lot of them are really, really high level performers because if you're not, by the time you've gotten to high school and you're a varsity competitor in most cases, you know, you're better than the vast majority of your peers, right? So you're there for a reason. You're really, really good. And the reason why athletes have a hard time performing uh, the way they want to a lot of times is because their mind is creating the roadblocks that get in the way of their body doing what it does naturally, right? And so my job is to help them find ways to move the mind to the side so that they can go out and and be themselves, right? And so we do that in a, a variety of, of ways, but for me, you know, the primary way I do that is through one-on-one coaching, right? And so it's the way I usually describe it is it's, it's sort of part counseling, um, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a clinical clinical psychologist, but there is an element of counseling in the work that I do, which means we're going to talk about stuff, right? I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to try to understand you, um, try to get your point of view, kind of understand what you're going through. That's a big part of my work. And then once I have a clear understanding of where you're coming from as an athlete, then I could start to devise strategies or proposed solutions, uh, skills, work on skills, things that are going to help you to get better at the mental side of your game. Right. So, so it's really understanding and then it's also prescription and and giving you things to do. But I want to be clear in saying my form of mental performance coaching is, is not formulaic. It's not a system. It's not a process in that everybody is different, right? I might employ some of the same skills with different athletes, but it's done in a very different way. It's done to help you solve your problem uniquely. Uh, it's not meant to uh, be a cookie cutter, right? If you go do X, Y, and Z that I'm prescribing to you, then you're going to be okay. That's just not how it works. Uh, so it's a very much a needs to be a trusting uh, and a mutually engaged uh, process. So that's why I love the work that I do. Uh, and I'll talk more about why I got into sports psychology later, but I love my work because I get to know my clients in a very, very, you know, intimate way in a, in a, in a, in a, in a trusting and unique way. And so uh, that helps me help them. Uh, and I find a lot of, of fulfillment, fulfillment in that. So um, with that, you know, the, the, another question I get very similar to that or sort of an add on is like, okay, so what kinds of mental skills do you teach? Like, what am I going to learn or what am I going to be able to take out of this? And I think to start, I would say it always depends on a, what you need and two what your, your wants are, what your goals are. Right. You know, but by and large, there are a number of skills that we can teach to get outcomes like confidence right? I want to be more confident, which is such, such a common one, right? For some athletes to be more confident, right? They need to be able to have better self-talk. You know, that internal dialogue needs to be, um, you know, more positive or, um, you know, more direct, uh, less negative, whatever, right? Everybody's different. Everybody responds to different things, but for some people, self-talk is what resonates, right? For some people, it's the images, it's the visuals, right? So, imagery is a skill or visualization is a skill that I teach, you know, a question I'll always ask, or I typically ask my clients is like, how do you like to learn new things, right? Whether it's in school or on the field or on the court or whatever, right? And a lot of people will say, I'd like to see it and then do it, right? Well, seeing it, you know, imagery is a skill that's a great one because when you learn how to see things vividly, you know, in your mind, your brain starts to believe that you're actually doing the physical repetition when you're not. So you have the ability to develop the skill where you're getting mental repetitions, right? 
off the field. That's really particularly useful for injured athletes who are away from action, away from competition, but have the ability to see themselves doing things that they want to do and creating that, what we would call a neural pathway in the brain, right? This sort of like groove in the brain that says like, hey, I'm actually practicing this even though I can't be out there doing it. So that has a lot of benefits, right? It starts to give you more confidence to see yourself doing something. It gives you more motivation to say, hey, like I can do this or I see myself doing this. I want to keep going forward uh, rather than feeling maybe hopeless, right? So self-talk and imagery, goal setting is a very, very common one. And we use goal setting for a variety of reasons. Motivation is one, right? How do I get motivated? Uh, how do I keep my focus? Um, how do I feel confident? Am I moving towards something I want to achieve? Am I getting progress, right? So that's that's another one. Um, you know, breathing uh, is one that I'll teach, right? For, for athletes particularly that um, maybe have some sort of pr- performance anxiety or struggle with kind of keeping their focus in, in high pressure situations. Breathing is a great way to regulate yourself. What I mean by that is to, you take a deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. And there are obviously different ways to breathe and, and practice that, but it has the effect of reducing your heart rate, right? When your heart starts to speed up, I can slow it down, have control of that by, by managing my breathing, uh, managing your breathing. It relaxes your muscles. And then that muscle to mind strategy, what we would call it, right? The body to the mind is then sending a signal to the brain to sort of relax and sort of clear itself out, right? So breathing, while very simple and maybe even obvious because there's so much talk in sports about taking a deep breath, but a lot of times we don't explain why you need that breath, right? To relax the muscles, to slow the heart, to clear the mind. That's a skill, right? And probably the most common skill that I teach to young athletes, and it's my favorite, and I think it's my opinion, right? This is just how I practice. My opinion, the most important foundational skill is is being able to practice mindfulness. And what do I mean by that? So mindfulness is really the 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 skill is about being present in the in the current in the moment, right? In the current moment, the present moment, without judgment right? Being completely attuned to what's happening right now, right? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What's happening in front of me right now? And, and so getting really good at putting that one pointed attention or one pointed focus on what's the most important thing I need to do right now is be where my feet are. I need to go compete right now, regardless of whether the last 30 minutes of this game have been complete, a complete disaster, right? Or whether or not, you know, the state championship is on the line, right? The way I'm going to perform the best is to be current in the moment. How do we do that? Well, that's not natural for for us as human beings because our brains are wired to protect us from threats, detect threats, scan them, right? Like, well, what if I go miss that shot? Like, how am I going to feel? Well, I'm not going to take that shot because I'm going to feel like crap if I miss it. So like our brain wants to sort of pull us back from taking risks or, what did you just do on that last play? Coach is going to yank you out. Like, you know, be prepared for that. Like now you're focused on something that happened in the past. You have to be able to stay in the moment to achieve what a lot of people might term being in the zone or being in a flow state. If you're somewhere else past or present and you're not focused on what you're doing right now, it's going to be really hard to get the most out of your ability, right? So the way I typically teach that, and there are different forms of mindfulness, but the way I typically teach that is through practicing meditation. So I, I suggest that my clients practice meditation. And what that does is help them to be able to learn how to identify 
uh, label, um, identify and label their thoughts um, so that the recognition part gets really, really strong. And so when we're in those stressful situations and we can recognize our, our brain sending us a thought that's um, intended to protect us, but it's not, it's a lie or it's not, it's not, it's not accurate. Um, we're able to identify it and not get caught up in it, but let it go and be like, no, that doesn't matter right now. I need to be right here. Where I am is where my feet are. Where I am is what's in front of me. Where's the ball? You know, what's about to happen? What do I need to do to execute the next play? Right? So practicing mindfulness and meditation is a huge part of what um, I ask athletes to do, because if you're not aware, self-aware and, and steeped in sort of what's happening right now, it's going to be really hard uh, to not let your mind take over. So that's something I love to teach. And, and that's something I, I will teach almost everybody. So another question I get is like, why should I work with you? Why should I work with a mental performance coach? And I think, you know, it's a self-serving answer for me, which like everybody can stand to work on their mind. And most young athletes, when I ask them, you know, how much time they spend in the gym or in the weight room or whatever uh, on their sport, you know, it's probably 20, 30, 40 hours a week, right? It's like the number one thing that they're spending time on. And then when I ask them how much time they're spending on their mind, they basically say zero. I mean, 99.9% of the time, nobody actively works on their mind, right? And so to me, that's, there's a really clear gap uh, in helping athletes, because I think even if you put one or two hours a week in working on your mental game, that return on investment, which is brand new, is going to be is going to be huge to you. That being said, like not everyone's ready or believes that they need mental performance coaching, right? So, like I think the first thing I would say is you should work with me if you are being honest with yourself about whether or not you need to improve your mental game, right? If you don't believe that you need to work with somebody and that your mind is in the right place, then you probably don't need to work with me. Right. You know, but I think what I find is most, most athletes, and, and I can sort of draw my own experiences as an, as an athlete. Right. I know that looking back in retrospect, like I probably needed someone to help me with my mental game when I was in high school or even as an adult when I've competed, but you know, I, I've resisted it, you know, for whatever reason, or I didn't know it was there. Um, but like, I want to kind of do everything myself. And I think that that's a natural default setting for all of us, right. Trying to do things on our own. But if you've gotten to the point where you're like, well, I'm really struggling with this. I have, I've tried to solve the problem on my own and it's not working and I can't do it on my own anymore. I need someone to help me like that. That would be the time to explore working with a mental performance coach. And I think, you know, people ask about like, what's the right fit? You know, what should I look for? And, you know, there, there are sort of technical answers I could give. I'm a certified mental performance consultant. I'm accredited by the Association of Applied Sports Psychology. And I believe that, you know, somebody with a CMPC designation uh, is likely to be more qualified to work with a, an athlete than someone who's not. But that doesn't mean you can't find someone without that designation to be helpful, right? I think it's more about the connection you see with that or you feel with that person, right? Can I trust them? Do they understand me? Um, are they going to be able to help me get to where they want to go? And I think, you know, when you're looking for someone to work with, I think you want to understand and ask those good questions of like, Hey, like, what are you all about? Like, why do you do this? Like, what, how are you going to help me? What should I expect? What's expected of me? Right. Um, like anything else, right. You, when you go into a partnership, whether it's with a coach, an instructional coach, uh, a strength and conditioning coach, 
uh, a mental performance coach, any relationship you have in your life, you sort of, you want to explore that and understand like, is this person a fit for me? Um, and I think that that's it. If you're honest with yourself that you need someone to help you, that's the first step. And then when you explore it, I think it's then looking for the right person to fit because if the connection's not there or that person doesn't understand you or they're trying to push a system or force a system on you that doesn't uh, resonate with you, then it's going to be a waste of, of your time and, and potentially, you know, money. So, um, you know, there are a lot of reasons to why to work with the mental performance coach, but I think those are the most important for me. Um, well, people often want to know, why did I get into sports psychology? So I'll talk a little bit about, um, my experience of, of moving into sports psychology in mid career. So, um, I, I went back to school for my master's degree in sports psychology in 2017. So six years ago, uh, at that time I was 42, 42 years old. I just turned 42. Um, I had been in another field for uh, quite some time and about 15 or 16 years into that first career, so to speak, uh, I really started to question, you know, my existence, you know, why am I doing this? I'm really good at what I do and I make a good living. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, I could stick with this forever and, and make a really good living and, and kind of ride it out until retirement and, and, you know, live a good life. So why would I, you know, walk away from that and start over? And, and the answer for me really is, is I wanted to, I knew I wanted to do something more meaningful with my life. And that, to get to that conclusion completely um, and get to sports psychology took me some time. It was a process. I knew that I wanted to do something different probably, you know, three or four years before I even went back to school. Um, but it took me some time to sort of wrap my head around, A, what I wanted to do um, with my next career. Um, and B, like how I was, how I was going to get there, like how I was going to walk away from a very good income to move to sports psychology. And ultimately the conclusion that I draw is just, there were three things that I wanted to get out of my career. One is first and foremost, I wanted to help people. Like that was, that was it for me. Like, and I worked in a career where I was helping people, but they were employed by businesses that made, you know, millions and billions of dollars. Uh, and those people were, um, you know, like part of that process and part of the, like the cog in the wheel, you know, and I, I wanted to have a more meaningful impact on people's lives. And so, you know, this one-to-one -one coaching world, um, was really appealing to me. I, I tend to thrive in that environment. Um, and, and, and I found that to be true even six years later, since the, the day I went to school, being one-to-one -one with people and really being able to connect and understand them is a strength of mine. So that was number one, helping other people. Second was I wanted to do something in sports. I mean, I was athlete my whole life growing up through adulthood. Sports were always such a big part of my life. Um, I knew even back in an early age, even in my earlier in my, in my career, I always like had this itch to like work in sports, but I just didn't know how to get there. Um, I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know how to find my way in. Um, when I was younger, I probably thought it was impractical. Um, there was so many reasons why I never got into it. But like at that point, at the point in my life where I was in my late thirties, early forties, like I could definitely be, I was more resourceful, um, so to speak. Like I knew it was an option, but I had to find it and I was willing to go look for it. But ultimately I wanted to, to be in sports. Right. And then the third factor was I, I wanted to be able to do something where I worked for myself, where I had more control over my, um, my career, my destiny, what it looked like after 20 years of being an employee. And so I put those three, three things together. 
Um, and then I went to go look for a career that fit that criteria. And that was sports psychology, you know, sports helping. And then I could have my own practice. All of those things have sort of come to life, um, because I was intentional about it and I've put the work in to get to this place. So I, I love what I do because I get to help people, you know, and what I say to young people or I say to the parents of young people is, you know, sports psychology, mental performance can, coaching is sort of a conduit to asking for help in broader ways, right? Like it's real, it's much easier to talk about, you know, my challenges and my issues and my concerns and the way I feel in the sporting context than it is in a global context of like, oh, I'm feeling crappy today. I can't get out of bed. Obviously it's really important to talk about those things, but sometimes we don't want to talk about it. But when we talk about it in the performance context, now all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm talking, uh, you know, about these things to you openly with the goal of being a better athlete. And that just tends to make more sense to young people. And so I just view it as a privilege to be able to serve them, uh, in that respect and be not only, um, a mental performance coach to them and help them with their minds, but sort of be a mentor and a guide through life. And that's why I'm so interested in transition. So that kind of leads me to the next question. A lot of people ask, you know, what's the freshman foundation? How did it come to be? And so, you know, the freshman foundation was, was born, you know, probably like five or six years ago in my mind. Uh, I had been working at a high school, um, doing my internships, uh, working with high school athletes, you know, so I was working with high school and baseball, uh, high school baseball and basketball teams. And I, I was working with, you know, high school athletes who were going on to play in college, you know, they weren't there yet, but they were committed to play. And I started to wonder like what it, what it was going to look like for them when they got to college, right? You in high school, if you're a college committed athlete, particularly if you're a D one committed athlete, you tend to be, you know, head and shoulders above your peers. Um, and so, you know, that comes with a lot of uh, pats on the back, a lot of accolades. Um, things may become really easy for you. You get great results. Uh, and then it led me to wonder like, well, what's going to happen when everybody, you know, is the same in college, you know, how, how is that person who's going from high school to college going to deal with the adversity? Um, how are they going to deal with failure? How are they going to deal with maybe not being a starter? How are they going to deal with, you know, fitting in with a new team and, you know, taking on, you know, new academic challenges. Like there's so many things that are unknown when we go to college. Um, and I experienced those things and I wasn't even a student athlete in college. Uh, and, uh, and there are a lot of reasons why that was too. And I think, you know, that's the other thing I think, you know, just to sort of, you know, sidebar on that is like, you know, I think there are a lot of high school student athletes who are very capable of going to college to play and choose not to. Uh, or or don't have the resources to right. So just because someone doesn't go to college or uh, doesn't want to compete doesn't mean that they're not good. Um, but the ones who choose to take on that challenge are taking on a pretty significant burden, right? And so how are they going to be ready for that challenge? And so in my mind, it was like, well, is there something we can do? I can do to help prepare them before they get there, right? And and I didn't know the answers then, and frankly, I don't really know the answers now. But I have a much better idea of the types of things. Um, that the types of skills that might be needed to succeed when you get there and to prepare, uh, before you get there. Um, so in, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, I started to think about it. You know, I'd sketched out a logo. Um, I had some ideas about what it would look like and, 
And I started the podcast with that idea in mind, like, hey, let's explore this and see what it takes to be really good in making that transition and talking to people who are in it, either whether they're athletes who have done it or are going to do it, um, whether they're coaches, um, whether they're experts who sort of support people in the transition space, all those things sort of came to my mind. And uh, I wanted to learn more about it and I have, and that sort of led me to today, which is, you know, I've learned over 60 plus podcasts you know, through research, through conversations, through my work with, you know, high school athletes who are going to college and college athletes who have been there, you know, like I put that into, into my course and the course was launched, uh, you know, on August 1st of 2023. So not almost a a month ago. Um, and and I'm really proud of that in that, like I was able to sort of start with a question, uh, start with a, a hypothesis, um, about, you know, what it is it takes to, to succeed when you get to college from high school. Uh, and I've been able to put something together that I think is really valuable to young athletes, um, to help them prepare, you know, is it perfect? I don't know. Uh, is it helpful? I don't know. Um, I'm trying to find that out, but I think that I've incorporated the, 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 the expertise that I have as a mental performance coach, aggregated that with the information I've collected from people who are smarter than me and put it into a package to say, Hey, this is something you could do to prepare yourself before you get to college. So I'm pretty excited about that. And hopefully, you know, that's, that's something you'll be able to check out in the future. Um, this is when I get all the time, um, you know, the, 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 the comment or the, the, the observation is I feel like I'm always on a roller coaster with my sport. How do I get off? Right. And so this is something I talk to athletes about all the time, right? There's sort of these, you know, really, really major ups and downs, really big swings that a lot of athletes experience, right? They sort of ride the high of, you know, I'll use baseball as an example, because I do a lot of work with baseball players. They ride sort of this like hot streak of like, man, I, I can't, I'm, I'm seeing the ball like a beach ball. I can't, I can't, I can't make an out. Right. It's great. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, that, that turns and then all of a sudden it doesn't turn to, well, I'm going back to sort of normal, uh, normal performance. I crater completely. And I had this experience myself as a high school baseball player where I started out my senior season, extremely hot. And then I tanked to the, like the lowest of low that you can imagine. And then I came back up and I ended up on extremely high note and I finished my career that way, which was nice, but I gave away the middle part of a season because I couldn't master my mind and I was on that roller coaster and I couldn't get off. Right. So, so one of the things I start, you know, sort of by sort of painting the picture with athletes is, is saying like, we're always going to be on a roller coaster to some degree, right? Do we want to be on the, you know, the theme park, you know, great adventure, you know, sort of, you know, depth defying roller coaster, or do we want to be on the kiddie roller coaster, right? being able to manage those ups and downs and making them bumps in the road and, you know, small valleys, you know, and getting back to sort of a neutral, even keeled place. Um, you know, I feel like the way that we do that is through, to go back to what I talked about earlier in the podcast is, 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 you know, through mindfulness, being able to identify when we're getting too high or too low and recognizing it and then doing something to bring ourselves back to the present moment, right? Bringing ourselves back to, okay, like I'm five for my last eight, but that doesn't matter on the next at bat or I'm O for my last 10, but that doesn't matter on the next at bat. 
I have to be right here and commit to what I'm about to do. And if I go one for one on the next at bat, or I put a really good swing on the ball, and even if I go for one, I've done my job. I've been able to master and control my thinking so that I can lock in on what I'm supposed to do right now. And I think a lot of times when we go through these swings, we go to a place of, if we're doing really well, a place of complete unconsciousness, which is great to a point, but we sort of get caught up in that sometimes. You know, we don't, we're not aware when we're having negative thinking, we're sort of pushing it to the side. And just the same when we're in a complete slump, right? We're so dwelling on the poor results that we can't really focus on what we need to do right now. And we feel bad about ourselves because our, you know, our performance is so important to us and our sport's so important to us. And what do other people think? And what does my coach think? Am I going to get benched? And what are my parents thinking? All these things, you know, I'm letting my teammates down. Those things don't matter when you're, you know, you're in a game and you're competing, right? Like, but if you're thinking about them, they become a distraction, right? So getting off the roller coaster to me at, you know, or, or, or making that roller coaster smaller is really about getting connected to your thoughts and feelings so that you have the choice about what to do with them rather than feeling like you're being pulled along for the ride. And this is something I hear a lot from the clients I work with. And it's something that we work on a lot to try to get off that roller coaster to make everything a little bit simpler and quieter and and more even keeled, even when things aren't necessarily going the way they want them to, they're able to maintain a poise and a calm that allows them to compete the way they want to in the moment. So um, I, I think that that's sort of the answer in a nutshell. Um, and this and this question's you know tied to that to a certain extent, but it's more of a a process. Uh, I'll get a little bit more into the weeds on on how I do this. It's, the question is, how do I regain my composure when I make a mistake during a game, right? So like we've all been there, right? Strike out. If you're a pitcher, you walk. If I'm a basketball player, I turn the ball over. If I'm a soccer player, I miss a penalty shot. You know, all these different things that can happen in a game that can really throw us for a loop, Right where like I made that mistake and I'm just sort of locked in on like the mistake and what I could have done differently and what does it mean and all these things, right? So how do I regain my composure in those moments? And to me, it's about having a process. You know, one of my clients now calls it a protocol, mental protocol, a mental process, a reset. I like to call it a reset routine, but it doesn't matter what I like to call it. I think it's it's more about, you know, resonating the idea of having a repeatable process and approach so that when I make a mistake or even if I make a great play, how do I reset myself back to the baseline of, okay, that's over. I need to reset and refocus and, and, and resume what I'm doing in the present moment and not letting the future or the past get in the way of that. Right? So Having a reset routine for me, like I put it into like, I'll call it what I call the four R's, right? Recognize, which comes back to the the mindfulness theme that I talked about earlier, right? We can't recognize things if we're not really being mindful and, and paying attention to our thoughts and recognizing them rather than sort of, you know, uh, uh, you know, investing in them or sort of latching onto them, right? So to recognize without judgment, okay, this is what's going on right? Reboot. To me, reboot means taking a deep breath, right? It can mean something to somebody else, something different. To me, it's 
it's recognize, okay, I'm kind of going off the rails here. Take a deep breath. Let everything sort of clear out of the system, reboot the system like a computer. Now I want to, I want to refocus. That might be through some sort of phrase, some sort of self-talk phrase like attack or next play. Um, you know, you know, you know, be here, be where your feet are, whatever it is that resonates with you. And I think that that's important to, to restate on my part. There is no magic word, you know, magic phrase or, or, or no magic action that, you know, I can tell one athlete, they have to sort of do what they think is best for them. And that's, I think the beauty of mental performance coaching is that mental performance coaches like me, and I, I like to think that most of my peers feel this way as well. You know, we're in a very much at your service as coaches, where I think a lot of coaches, uh, and this is not an indictment, but just an observation. A lot of coaches are very much about telling you what you need to do and, you know, you going and executing their marching orders. And like, that's not, that's not how mental performance coaching works. Typically it's, Hey, what do you want to get out of this? What's your situation? Us making a suggestion or giving you some guidance, but you really figuring out what works best for you and having us help you figure that out for you. So it's a little bit different. So anyway, it's just kind of a sidetrack there, but ultimately coming up with a phrase, right? To refocus yourself, an image, right? Whether it's internal in your brain, like, hey, seeing what you want to do next, having that image is sort of the way to refocus yourself, um, or even looking at something externally, a flagpole, a, you know, a, you know, a foul pole, um, your glove, I have some athletes like put things, write things on them, on their person, uh, uh, you know, a phrase, a picture, like to remind yourself, Hey, like, okay, I recognized it. I took my breath. I rebooted, look at, or think, or do something to refocus you about what you want the next play to be. And then resume, which typically is sort of, uh, associated with the word go, right? Once all those three, first three steps happen, the word go is sort of the permission uh, to commit to the next play and put everything you have toward the next play. And, you know, it took me probably two or three minutes to sort of walk you through that. But the truth is these reset routines that I design or help athletes design for themselves, they take five seconds, seven seconds, 10 seconds, right? If I'm really good at recognizing my thoughts, I recognize it. I take my breath, takes a couple seconds. I say that phrase, or I look at that image that takes a couple seconds and then I go right. We're five to 10 seconds. And depending on your sport, you can do that on the fly, right? Have that routine. And the beauty of that routine is it's always with you and you should be practicing it outside of, of a game, right? Doing it every rep in a bullpen, in a practice, um, you know, in a training session, like use that reset routine. So it becomes second nature. So it becomes automatic. So you don't think, have to think about how to reset yourself or solve a problem. When something goes bad, you have it, it's automatic and you put it into place. So like, that's to me, that's like one of the greatest tools I can give any athlete. And the nuances of that tool are, are unique to the individual, but the framework is the same. And having that, you know, way to do that is, is really just, I think it's a huge advantage because I don't think most athletes have a reset routine that they can lean on. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed part one of this Ask Me Anything edition of the Freshman Foundation. We'll see you back in two weeks for part two. Thanks so much for listening. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor 
dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at the Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks, ready to get better.